0: I feel good. I can't, I can't do it quite the way James Brown does it, but uh, John, uh, of all the introductions I've ever had, that's one of them. And uh, uh, thank you for putting me in the same sentence as uh, James Brown. Uh, wow, what a, what an honor. Uh, and uh, I, I hope God gives me uh, continued energy, James Brown like, empowered by the Holy Spirit so uh, glad you're tuning in this morning as we continue our series into the wilderness. Um, and I have a song for you. Um, um I don't think Jeff on our playlist that we have a Chris Tomlin song yet. And, and, and we do now we do now, uh, cause we, uh, uh, would be, um, wrong, just wrong not to have a Chris Tomlin song. And so, um, this whole process of, um, Moses giving final thoughts um, to the children of Israel um, as they're in the wilderness. Uh, so much of it um, is uh, continuing to point them toward follow God, follow God, follow God, follow God, be obedient to his word. And Chris Tomlin wrote a song uh, a number of years ago. I mean, every contemporary worship service has, su- has uh, uh, sung this for years. But just a chorus, where you go, I'll go, where you stay, I'll stay, where you move, I'll move, I will follow you, who you love, I'll love, how you serve, I'll serve, in this life I lose, I will follow you, yeah, I will follow you, I will follow you. May you hear the voice of God and may it open your heart to what he has for us this morning.
1: Where you go, I'll go Where you stay, I'll stay When you move, I'll move
0: Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13. And just before we get started, um, I wanted to mention, um, we forgot to mention to you that next Thursday, Carla and I uh, will be doing um, Ladies' Day together. This time of year, annually, she's typically with me in Jackson. We will be in uh, Fairhope uh, together, but we still want to have Ladies' Day. So, um, guys, uh, invite. Don't, don't drag them out of bed, but uh, invite uh, uh, your wives and uh, daughters and uh, mamas and uh, ladies to um, get up and join us. And uh, Carl will have something both for the men and the women, and she and I are going to do it together. Uh, so that's next Thursday. So keep that in mind. All right, follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph and dig in this week. Into the wilderness, understanding and embracing the dark times of your life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment a month, a week of crisis. And since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're in a wilderness season, like we are now, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, then we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. This morning, um, we're going to look at the secret things of God. It's an interesting title um, because um, some 13 years ago, Um, uh, Rhonda Byrne wrote a book called The Secret and it's it's ironic that it was 13 years ago because we were just talking earlier that 13 years ago in uh, 2007 uh, we started Men's Roundtable um, at the C Spire um, training room upstairs and so we're into a baker's dozen and uh, Rhonda Byrne um, had a book called The Secret that just caught fire New York Times bestseller everybody was reading it. it was the it was the it was the hot thing um, and it was like it was indicative of how hungry people are uh, for spiritual nourishment and spiritual insight. But there was a huge problem with Rhonda's uh, book and and I'll say more about that as we get into it but the secret things of God. So pick up your pen. Uh, Let's go to work intentionally and deliberately. I want you to respond to three questions. First question, what would you say is the secret to a good life? Now, as I said, Rhonda wrote this book some 13 years ago, uh, and she thought, and I'm sure she probably still believes, that she found the secret. What would you say the secret is? Write it down. Write it down. Um, as John mentioned, uh, we got back from Arkansas uh, last Wednesday, and I drove home on Thursday afternoon after we did roundtable, and then Carla and I did our couples workshop on our patio. We had uh, 11 couples um and it was a wide wide range of, of couples there, and uh, one of the uh, uh, husbands, uh, which is unusual. We we get you know typically more uh, comments in general from the wives um, like this than the men. But one of the men um, was um, concerned about um, his wife even coming to the workshop with him and responding and so he says afterwards he says you know we have been in therapy off and on for 15 years and we got more in these two days at the workshop um, than we've gotten in 15 years of therapy and i am hopeful that as a result of being here this weekend that we can save our marriage now guys what was the secret what was the secret? And what I would say was the secret is that he and his wife put themselves in an environment where God was being honored, some skills were being talked about, but God breathed on their heart. I, I mean, Carla and I are pretty good at what we do. I don't lack for confidence. But it wasn't about Carla and me. I mean, they put themselves in an environment in the secret things of God showed up, and it changed their hearts and hopefully and maybe saved their marriage. What would you say the secret to life is? Secondly, how is life working not working for you? How's it working? And once again, there is no doubt that in this pandemic season that everybody is under a silent kind of stress. Everybody is. This is stressful. It's different. I mean, think about it. How would you like to be an Ohio State football fan? I mean, that's stressful, you know? Um, but it, all kidding aside, it's just like the littlest thing. I mean, as we've talked before, our cheese has been moved. Um And it is stressful. Acknowledge that. Um, I have seen in in recent weeks in my own counseling practice a rise um, in um, individuals and couples talking about anxiety. Anxiety. And one of the critical antidotes for anxiety um, is gratefulness rather than worrying about what I don't have or when I'm going to get back what I did have. It is so critical in order to make life work that we practice gratefulness. I mean, yeah, things have changed and you can't do easily what we were doing six months ago, seven months, but I mean, really. I mean, we have lots more than we deserve even under these circumstances, but it's hard to stay grateful. Very critical. The secret things of God. It's not much of a secret. Be grateful. And then thirdly, who do you know that's in the wilderness now? We all are. And don't miss an opportunity um, to speak into somebody's life. Um, You might be much more of a resource of the secret things of God to another person than you realize, especially your kids, your grandkids, uh, family members. But what kind of energy are you giving off? When when you walk into a room, what do people start feeling? You give off energy. And you know, if you're anchored in the Lord and you're grateful, um, I think there's a pretty good chance that they're going to feel a kind of energy that is calming, rather than you walking in the room and you're like, you know, pig pen on on, uh, peanuts and you just create a cloud of dust. You know, how about it? Calming, peaceful. The secret things of God. So let's dig in to Deuteronomy. Again, uh, where we are in uh, Deuteronomy is Moses is into his third sermon. Uh, As we've talked about before, it took Moses um, uh, six to seven days, uh, the commentators believe, uh, to give the book of Deuteronomy. And so uh, having been inspired by uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, when when Jethro told him, teach the people how to live, Moses um, constructs these sermons, And we're into the middle of the third sermon. And in these next few weeks, we're just going to kind of slow everything down. And, and we're going to uh, helicopter hover over these last three or four chapters, 28, 29. We looked at 28 last week, um, uh, 29, 30, 31, 32. Um, and we're digging into just the last verse of chapter 29. Listen as we read chapter 29. Uh, verse 29. God, our God, will take care of the hidden things, but the revealed things are our business. It's up to us and our children to attend to all the terms in this revelation. Now, in your, in your study Bible, that same verse reads like this in the ESV, English Standard Version, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now what Moses is trying uh, to address of course, um, is God's will. I mean, uh, when you start walking with God, that you know becomes uh, some kind of a relevant topic. What is God's will for my life? Uh, and and Moses is alerting the people in these final words, his final address, be in God's will, and and he distinguishes. God's will in two ways, the hidden things, or the secret things, um, and the revealed things. That's interesting, in the hidden things, in the secret things, um, it is important um, to realize that the Lord's hidden um, will contains his secret decrees and foreordains all things. His will can never be stopped. But God's will is a mystery. And yet his sovereignty over evil will further exalt and glorify him in the end. It's like, man, there's so much about God's will that is a mystery, and um, it's interesting to me through the years as I've uh, walked with God, um, and is to continue to embrace mystery. Man, there's so many things I don't understand. Not not only things in the Bible itself, but just about life. I mean, why do hard things happen to good people? You know those kinds of questions, and it's just like, man, it is such such a mystery. And God makes no um, apology um, for those uh, mysteries. But then there's the revealed will. The Lord's revealed or perceptive will is clearly found in Scripture and contains um, clear uh, direction for us, and it's like, um, <clears throat> clear things that we need to do. Now, at, that, at this point, I've got to um, quote, as best I can remember, that great theologian, Mark Twain. Now, uh, Many of you know Mark Twain's famous quote, and I've, I've uh, quoted it before. Mark Twain said, uh, It is not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand that I have a hard time walking out, something like that. So it's like that's the revealed will. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are very clear, and those are challenging enough, but why would I want to get stuck over here on these things that are hard? Even uh, Peter um, says about Paul's writings in um in, in his epistle, he says, you know, some of those things that Paul wrote are really hard to understand. Even Peter says that. Um, Carla and I had the privilege uh, years ago when we lived in Philadelphia, when we, got, we first got exposed to some crazy guy named R.C. Sproul. Now, who would have ever thought at that point that I'd wind up at Reformed Theological Seminary Uh, in the shadow, in the wake, if you will, of R.C. Sproul. But at that point, he had Ligonier uh, Ministries, which was actually in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Of course, he moved um, that week. He was packing up boxes, and we were part of the last conference that he did at Ligonier, and there were boxes every place because they were moving Ligonier, not Ligonier, Pennsylvania, but Ligonier Ministries to Florida. And the topic, as R.C. Sproul said, he said, you know, I've been doing this for many years. And, 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 and he was doing hard theological uh, training with laymen. And he said, I've waited all this time to do predestination. Because uh, it's a hard topic. It's kind of a mystery. And uh, if you look on those old videos, um, Carl and I are sitting there. Now, Carla looks a lot younger uh, um, in those videos. Um, But it was like, you know, we got in there that first night, and what R.C. Sproul did, uh, like a good Marine drill sergeant, is he tore down every theological uh, construct that I had at that point. And when we got back to the room, I told Carla, I said, if we'd have been in there 15 more minutes, I would have been in tears. I mean, it, it, it scared me. It's so disrupted. It was like he took what I understood about God as best I understood and just kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, threw it up in the air, and it was just scattered all over the room. And then the next day, he started putting those pieces back together. And by the end of that week... I was never more excited and motivated about the mysteries of God and what predestination really means. Now that's another whole topic and you know buy me a cup of coffee and we'll talk about predestination. But it's those kind of hard topics that you know I don't spend a lot of time talking about that. No nobody's come in in all my years I've been doing counseling now for 25 years and nobody's ever come into my office and asked me about predestination. You know, t- talk to your pastor or, you know, uh, go, go listen to the R.C. Sprawl videos and all that. The point is, is that I have people come in, my, in into my office all the time and are asking me either implicitly or explicitly, what's God's will for our life? And what I try to focus on is what is clear. I mean, there's so many wonderful uh, gold mines of digging into the mysteries of God. But that's not even where Moses is anchoring the people. He's, he's telling them, man, there are secret things of God. There are hard things of God. But it is what I understand, as Mark Twain says, what, what is clear in Scripture that I need to be focused on. That's the secret uh, that's not hidden but changes our lives. Even in the Lord's Prayer, when when Jesus prays the Lord's Prayer and he prays for God's will to be done on earth, he's asking for men to follow God's revealed will. He's not asking, and God, may they understand predestination (laughs) <laughs> may may they understand the deepest mysterious things and if they could find that secret their marriages would be saved no i mean i love my seminary education and i've studied all those things and i love that but that's not what really changed my life what changed my life is the practice of the fundamentals It's kind of like what Vince Lombardi said you know, when he took over the Green Bay Packers and he walked into that first meeting and it's well documented that he held up a football and what did he say? Gentlemen, this is a football. And he was communicating that what we're going to do is just the basics, the fundamentals. And it is the fundamentals that really are the secret things of God that change our life. Not all that kind of like trying to find buried treasure in the sense that it is a secret to everybody the secret is is that it's not a secret the the treasure is is that it's available and this is what moses the great leader is trying to communicate to his people now all throughout this series i've shown you clips of Major Dick Winters is just an illustration of just our need for great leaders and, and to listen to people, be, be attuned to people that we can follow and be mentored and coached and taught by. I want you to watch the short clip, again, Major Dick Winters, as he's being honored years after World War II. Major Winters always did things right. I don't think he ever made a mistake. The guys really reverenced him because not worship, reverence him because he had a, a, an innate sense of doing the right thing.
1: Another one said to me, I never saw him make a technical error in the field. You know, these guys were willing to follow him in the words of one veteran through the gates of hell. and. And I think that is, you know, that's something that can't be taught. I think that's a characteristic that you either have or you don't have. Richard Winners would not want us to make a big deal out of this. We don't have bands playing today. There are no balloons, no parades or fireworks. That is not who he was before or after he became one of the most recognizable leaders of World War II. I think he would be almost overwhelmed and humbled and uh, dismayed at the crowd and because he was not that kind of a guy. He was a very humble, simple fellow. A book and a television series made him a public hero, but like all the men of World War II, he will tell you the real heroes are the men who never came home. So keeping with the late major's wishes, we are not making this all about him. It's really all about the men in the front row, and the men who never came home. The statue may be symbolic of one man in particular who was an exceptionally good leader on D-Day and one of America's most respected soldiers in the war, but there were many leaders on June 6, 1944. Major Dick Winters, uh, this is an illustration of a mentor. You need to be
0: listening. To men that we can trust. And, um... Cloud um, has been a, a teaching mentor of, of mine and counselor uh, mentor of mine. Um, many of you know my story. Uh, if, if you don't know my story, come to deer camp and fish camp and you'll hear the long version. But uh, I haven't at one point had a pretty intimate relationship with uh, Henry Cloud as, as he was um, um, uh, um, part of a counseling team that I was getting instruction from. And um, I mentioned Rhonda uh, Burns' book, uh, The Secret, and um, when that book came out, the publisher, uh, uh, Rhonda Burns book, approached Henry Cloud to write uh, a response, a Christian response. And so Henry Cloud has written a book that I would recommend uh, that you read, and especially um, someone who needs to know the basics of their faith, Um, Henry Cloud wrote the secret things of God Unlocking the treasures reserved for you Now let me give you just a little bit of a background of Rhonda Byrne Now again this has been 13 years ago um, And ironically um, Had a guy move into Fairhope from California Now I would expect Rhonda Byrne's book Sells a lot more copies today in California No disrespect to California but it's a little bit different out there. And uh, he, he 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 comes on Friday morning, um, uh, had been invited to our Friday morning gathering, and he and I are having a conversation, and he starts mentioning and talking about Rhonda Burns, the secret and the law of attraction. And I said, I said dude, you need to be re- reading something better than that. He said, oh, really? I, I like it. And I said, well, I'm glad you like it because – She's talking about uh, spiritual need, and I'm and 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 I'm glad that you're responding because you have a spiritual need, as we all do. But we'll we'll call him Joe. Uh, I said, but I said Joe, I said she's coming at it from a very self-centered, man-centered perspective, and I want you to be centered in God. What I could have said, I didn't say, because he'd have just confused him. I said. Um, you're coming at it from an anthropocentric perspective, and, and I want you to come at it from a theocentric perspective. You know, But that would have gone seminary on him, and that would have just confused him. So, um, here's the premise of Rhonda Byrne's book. Um, she um, uh, went through a very difficult time, as she puts in her book, quote, she hit a rocky patch in her business and her personal life. Her father died suddenly, and her relationships with her family and work colleagues were in turmoil. It was at that moment of despair. Hmm, interesting. You know, she comes to a crossroads. We've all been there in some way. And she wept and wept and wept, quote, unquote. She, she has that phrase in her book. She, she was crushed. And she discovered a long-neglected book entitled The Science of Getting Rich. Uh now the whole idea of her book in many ways is a lot like Norman Vincent Peale's book back in the 50s and the 40s the power of positive thinking. And and you know the thing that that you know that made that book uh somewhat dangerous once again it was man centered. Norman Vincent Peale was a pastor. In the Rhonda Burns book in the book she discovered how to let her your thoughts and feelings give you everything that you desire. She then dedicated herself to sharing these principles with the world in her book. And many have called it marketing genius. After all, all of us want to be in on a secret, so why wouldn't we all want to know the secret to life? I mean, it's like a bad infomercial. I know the secret. Yes! You know, and if you dial in right now, it's 1995, and we'll give you two of them. You know, the secret. It's marketing. According to Rhonda Byrne, the key element of the secret is what is called, quote, the law of attraction. You can summarize the law with three words. Listen to this. Thoughts become things thoughts become things. Okay. I'm thinking of an apple. I'm thinking of an apple. I'm thinking of an apple, an apple. I mean, does that seem a little crazy? Do you know how many copies of the secret Rhonda Byrne sold? Millions. Millions. In other words, if you think hard enough about something, it will take place. Now, that's the premise of the secret. Now, I hope as you're listening to me, you're thinking, well, who would read that? Millions. Think good thoughts and you'll reap good things. Think bad thoughts and bad things will happen to you. You create your own circumstances and you can change those circumstances with your thoughts. Wow. Red faced monkeys, red faced monkeys, red faced monkeys. The central teaching of the law of attraction is that nothing can come into experience unless you summon it through persistent thoughts. Thus, everything that surrounds you right now, both good and bad, has been attracted to you. It's like, you know, you're having a lot of anxiety. It's because you're thinking crazy thoughts. You're you're experiencing good things. It's because you're thinking good thoughts. In, In other words, you are the center of the universe and you are fully in control. Of life in your experience. As you focus on what you want, you are changing the vibration of atoms that that of that thing so that they begin to vibrate to you. Ultimately, you determine the frequency or vibration so that you can best acquire wealth, money, 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 health, fulfillment. Do you want something? Then you need to focus on it in one segment. In her DVD, a kid wants a red BMX bicycle, cuts out a picture of it from a catalog. He concentrates on it, concentrates on it, and even obsesses about it, and he is rewarded with a bicycle. Now, I want to make a joke right there because, I mean, that's just crazy. He's rewarded with it. His dad comes out and says, get a job. Go mow yards if you want a bicycle. How about that? Do you want to lose weight? Do the same thing. Rhonda Byrne talked about the weight she gained after her pregnancies, but once she applied quote the law of attraction, she realized her error. Quote, food is not responsible for putting on weight. It is your thought that food is responsible for putting on weight that actually has food that actually has food put on weight. You know, when I think about food, I don't gain any weight. But when I eat a lot of cheese pizzas, John, I gain weight. Two o'clock in the morning. Do you want to get healthy? Visualize health. One woman in the DVD claims that she was cured of breast cancer in three months without chemotherapy or radiation. She claims she did this by visualizing herself well and watching funny movies on television. I've got cancer. I turn the TV on. I watch funny movies. I think I would probably die quicker. I might die happy because I might be laughing at the old Laurel and Hardy movies or the Three three Stooges or something. But, gentlemen, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not the way it works. But millions of people, and even my new friend in Fairhope uh, from California, that's what he was believing. Now, if he'll keep coming on Friday morning to our men's group, he's going to hear something different because what he's going to hear is this. He's going to hear about a great treasure. And that great treasure is found in Scripture. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read Acts 17, 22 through 31, but it it is the account of the Apostle Paul walking into Athens and he begins to uh, teach the Greeks. And you know, they were the intellectual uh, crowd. They would have been the ones who would have been buying Rhonda Byrne's book you know, 2,000 years ago. And uh, he starts teaching Jesus. He starts teaching about the resurrection. And they begin to understand the great treasure. See, the great secret, the great secret (laughs) that the great treasure reveals and that it doesn't take you long to hear this language when you come to Jesus is that God has a plan for our life. It is a secret uh, in the sense that it's been held in a safe place, but it's not a secret in the sense that you can't know it. I want you to turn over to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is Jeremiah's words to the Babylonians when they were in the wilderness. I mean, um, to the children of Israel when they had been taken captives by the Babylonians. I mean, God kept telling them over and over that they were going to lose what they had if they didn't turn things around. And sure enough, uh, they were taken over by Babylonians. And and in the midst of them being uh, taken over, um, Jeremiah speaks to the people, and he says this to them. He says, "This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's seventy years are up, and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans." plans to take care of you. God has a plan for your life. That's the phrase that you start hearing pretty quickly when you're getting good teaching from God's word. God has a plan for your life. Not to abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you, bring you home to the place from which I sent you into exile. You can count on it. Now, guys, I, I run into people all the time that have Rhonda Burns' story. Her father died. She was in despair, and as she writes in her book, she wept, and she wept, and she wept. I'm not going to buy her book and give it to people that are weeping and are in despair. I'm going to have them read God's word, because I believe that God really does have a plan. And the way his plan is activated, the way his plan is activated is by faith. Trust me. I you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Um... is so key in terms of walking with God. Verse 3, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck. Carve their initials on your heart. Earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. Trust God. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. You know, don't try to figure out all these hidden things. You know, don't try to understand predestination and think that that's going to change your life. I mean, I, I love my understanding of predestination, and it deepens my understanding of God and my faith. But that's not what you really need to know. That's not an essential. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Every, everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Faith. Walking with God. Walking with God. Three secrets of God. Number one, God's secrets makes life work. God's secrets are revealed in His Word. And God's secrets in the Bible are trustable. It's not a book of myths and fables, anti-scientific, outdated, religious, and moralistic. And you want to know these truths. God is real, and he loves you. His secrets really do work, and you don't have to be very religious to enjoy God's secrets. And these are the principles exactly what I've been teaching my new California friend in Fairhope. He has an amazing story. I mean, he's been all over the world, just an amazing guy. And it's like he's searching, and he's reading Rhonda Byrne's book. And in all due respect to Rhonda Byrne, I think she needs Jesus. Now, in just the last few minutes, uh, I would I would just direct you to somewhat of an overview of Henry Cloud's rebuttal or response, but but not not necessarily a rebuttal. But he just again he was asked to write. The Secret Things of God, in contrast to Rhonda Byrne. Again, I would encourage you to read the book. But what he talks about, once again, is this idea that in order um, to understand God's will, first of all, he really does want us to be happy. I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. But there's an enemy that's going to seek to rob, steal, and destroy. And part of being happy is found in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And again, I don't have time to read that, but we've read it at Men's Roundtable for 13 years. You know? I mean, that's one of our kind of go-to passages, and it talks about, you know, two is better than uh, one, and you need to have a team Uh, around you, and a man who is uh, uh, alone when he falls down is the man who is really in big trouble. And again, I see that all the time, men who are isolated. Even my new friend from California, you know what drew him? Actually, Carla met him, and Carla told him about our Friday morning study, and he came um, as a result of my wife's invitation, and I met him when he walked up uh, to our men's group on the patio. That's where we've been meeting the last several weeks. And it's just like, he was lonely. He was lonely. And Carla said, it's a bunch of men that gather and come. And it's just like, part of what creates an increase in anxiety and what's happening in, in this wilderness is loneliness. Um, and, and if if we're going to be happy, God's plan for us to be happy is to be in church, if you will, to be in community, uh, to be connected to one another. And once again, we've got to be maybe a little bit more deliberate and intentional about getting connected in this time of social distancing and invitation to isolate. Um, It's very dangerous. It's, It's increasing people's anxiety. And then, and then along with that, in terms of being happy, is, is just relationships. Now, what, I'm, what Henry Cloud is talking about, and again, these are kind of the summaries uh, of his book, is um, uh, having the skill set to do relationships. I mean, some people who even go to church or go to Rotary Club or uh, go to group gatherings, They suck. At relationships i mean they're 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 like there but they don't know how to do it and learning to have the skill of relationships is critical and one of the key things to have good relationships is vulnerability and most men when i mention vulnerability boom, <laughs> i'm out that was it yep done see you later Speak the truth in love. I mean, I know men that are pretty good truth speakers, but man, the way they do it is just nasty and harsh. What you say is important, but how you say it is just as important. It's heads and tails of the same coin. Heads and tails, truth and love. What and how. What you say, how you say it. And, You know, how about the lost art of listening and validation? Guys, I make a living on helping people hear and validate. And one of the just amazing dynamics of our couples workshop is when I work with couples in front of the whole group, and I get them talking to each other in front of the whole group, just a couple, and they start listening and validating. And I mean, we had one couple that did a demonstration. I mean, and by the end of the time, they had calm, feeling like divorce was what the next step was. They came to our workshop, put them up front. They did an exercise that we always do. And at the end of that exercise, they were both crying and they embraced. I mean, it was like, I kind of felt a little Pentecostal. You know, it's like a healing, you know, or something. It was kind of, wow. But but that's just simple basics. Vince Lombardi, listening and validate. And then the other piece that's so critical to relationships is the anger piece. Man, got to deal with anger, guys. And Scripture's very clear in Ephesians 4, deal with anger. And then there really is a purpose to life, God gives us a purpose. He has a plan for our life, and those scriptures talk about that. We don't need to compare ourselves to anybody. Uh, We are unique. We are uniquely gifted. We're uniquely uh, prepared for a purpose and a plan that God has for us. And then then finally, and we just close with this, of course, is just once again being anchored in a theocentric uh, paradigm of life. God's at the center. It's not it's not about me, but God includes me in the great redemptive drama of the gospel. God loves you. He has given his son for you. He has his eye on you. The hound of heaven is running after you, but it's God centered. Surrender and bow the knee. And that's the secret of life. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the secret things that are so uh, clear. Um, Thank you for revealing yourself to us. We love you. Thanks for our time together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. See you next week. Uh, Wives, uh, uh, invite your wives. Uh, We'll see you next week. (laughs) you <laughs>